Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Woe is Media. You got Alyssa and you got Annabelle here. Alyssa, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm fresh off of a therapy run and we're feeling rejuvenated slash called out in the good way. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But don't worry about me. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm excited to get into this, get into it this week. I've got some cool stories. What have you got for us? OMG. So, you know me, I'm a Jeopardy ho and I've been following Amy Schneider's historic win streak and some people seem to have issue with it. So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about a new A&E series about a very polarizing man, a Mr. Hugh Hefner. Ooh, I love it. This is a cool mix. Jeopardy yeah. and Playboy. You know, my two favorite things. Yeah, those don't usually run together, but always <laughs> media, they do. I like it. Exactly. What about um, you, babe? What you got? Mine is pretty tech heavy today. We're going to talk about a major acquisition that's going on in the tech world, which I'm super excited about. And then we're going to get into a little bit more legal stuff in Congress, but it is having to do with the tech sector as well. So Ooh. without further ado, you want to get into it? Of course. So huge. I love a good blockbuster acquisition. I think they're so fun. This is my favorite thing to discuss in business because it's the sexiest, but it's also just like, I don't know. It's just exciting, you know? <laughs> When companies sexiest, like, you say. Well, in the finance world, it's considered one of the sexier areas you can work in is mergers and acquisitions. Because there's just something like, I don't know. Like Sexual one company. Yeah, like one company dominating another. They're like, we have all this oh, money. Oh, okay. Buy now, you. I'm, now I'm following. We're going to incorporate you into our portfolio. That's right. No, I didn't. <laughs> this is going to have to be an explicit rating. Uh, seriously, though. Sexy is in like, interesting it definitely gets paid the most enticing it gets headlines so you've probably heard about this even if you're not super up to date with the business news but this first story is called lights camera activision yep Mm -hmm. heard about this yes because microsoft bill gates's company though he's no longer ceo he retired a while ago but microsoft they have announced that they will purchase video game publisher Activision Blizzard for almost $69 billion in an all-cash offer. Wow. I forgot about that part of it, but oh my God. The price? No, not the price, but the fact they're paying in cash. Yeah. Well, so we talked about way back, I think, in one of our really early episodes about how Microsoft is trying to purchase Discord. Yes. I want to say like around 15 billion or so. And that was probably going to be an all cash offer too. Microsoft is swimming in money. Like they have more money than they know what to do with. What's that like? Right. Like just a ton of cash. And they've been really hungry to buy like an established company to bring it under their portfolio. And Discord was like, nah, we kind of want to stay independent. We like what we're doing. Yeah. Microsoft's like, fine, we don't need you. Let's buy Activision Blizzard for even more money. So all cash offer. This is the biggest U.S. tech acquisition ever made. So it's certainly a big deal. This is only slightly larger than the previous record tech acquisition, which was $67 billion. And that was back in 2016 when Dell Technologies was purchasing the EMC Corporation. So that's kind of like Dell Computers purchasing a data storage analytics cloud computing company. The merger like made sense, but yeah. this is an even bigger one um, price-wise. And honestly, really for most individual consumers, this will really kind of impact everybody. If you own any Microsoft products or if you're a video gamer at all, you will probably deal with some of the fallout from this. So Good very, morning, gamers. Mm-hmm, very ri- wide-reaching merger here for sure. Um, so it should be noted that this is not a done deal yet. The announcement has been made, which means that both companies are like on board with this, but Microsoft is still going to have to get approval from Activision shareholders for the deal, along with approval from regulators. Um, Period. Yes. And we'll get into this a little bit later in my second story, but we know that Congress kind of hates big tech right now. There's a lot of skepticism (laughs) um, and they're actually pushing a bipartisan bill to regulate it better. Again, that's my second story. So we'll get into that down the road, but um, yeah, they 
are trying to go after the social media giants because of all the ad revenue that they obtain and just how much general power they have. Of course. There have been some other like mega tech deals lately. They've been a little bit less publicized because they're about the semiconductor industry, which just generally speaking is not something most Americans think about or talk about on a day-to-day basis. They're not thinking about that sexy business, are uh, they? Semiconductors, <laughs> ooh. Ooh. But NVIDIA is trying to buy ARM and AMD, Advanced Micro Devices, is trying to buy uh, Z-Links. And both of those deals have been held up in legal review. So it's entirely possible the Microsoft deal will also end up in legal review for a while. We'll see. This is not going to happen overnight. Um, But in addition to being cash rich, Microsoft investors have also urged the CEO, Satya Nadella, to be aggressive. Be aggressive. Aggressive. (laughs) I don't necessarily know like why i mean there's nothing i was gonna ask like why are we now being aggressive i guess like because that's sort of just how it is in the tech industry like every other major tech company is aggressive like facebook they're either gonna buy you or they're gonna copycat your features excuse me meta not facebook meta How and very Microsoft, dare you refer to them by their uh, their no longer name. The company formerly known as Facebook. Correct. Um, but Microsoft is kind of like one of those low-key ones. And honestly, that's part of why they wanted this acquisition. But they're also taking advantage of the regulatory environment right now. Because even though Congress hates big tech, they're really not looking at Microsoft. They're mm-hmm. looking at Meta and Amazon and Apple and Google and Microsoft. I was about to say, yeah, like Microsoft, like obviously they're still a very big power player in the tech industry, but you don't hear about them that much. Like they're very, they're very low key. It's because they have more of a business portfolio instead of a consumer portfolio. Uh, you okay. have Word or PowerPoint on your computer obviously that's somewhat consumer and then they own xbox which is part of why they wanted to expand their gaming portfolio a lot of people forget about that that. yeah there's a lot more to microsoft than people realize and that's been working to their advantage but i think Mm -hmm. investors would like to see the turnaround to have microsoft get a little bit more credit for you know what what they've been able to do Um, yeah and while $69 billion, it obviously is a lot, it's the biggest tech acquisition ever, as we just said, but Microsoft is so big, it's only 3% of their market cap. 3% of their $2.3 trillion market cap. Why am like, I so broke? Do not be mistaken in thinking that Microsoft is not part of big tech. It's already big, and now it's trying to get even bigger, so... Tremendous companies here. Um, the price offered is a 45% premium on Activision's current market cap and current share price. It's trading at around like 80-ish bucks a share. And this is an offer for $95 a share. So 45% premium. That's not uncommon. Well, if you're going to purchase a company, you're pretty much always going to offer a premium on whatever the current share price is because like, why would you give up control unless you're making more money on it? Like just kind of goes without saying, but that's a pretty big premium. Um, They're paying almost one and a half times what the actual stock is worth. So, but Microsoft has been successful in integrating acquisitions that it's made before. Um, You may forget that LinkedIn is part of Microsoft. They acquired that. Forget about that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 2016. And I'm not as familiar with this one, but in 2018, it acquired GitHub. 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 I'm not totally sure what goes on at GitHub, but I don't either. Gaming is like a big area of emphasis in the tech world right now because with the pandemic, you know, people are playing games more. Absolutely. (laughs) Inside more. I mean, Alyssa bought a Switch. She can speak to this. She's got it right now. Are you playing Animal Crossing during my podcast segment? No. I'm checking the stocks. On Animal Crossing? No. I'm trying to build a bridge. Okay. I will turn it off, I promise. <laughs> I'm insulted. <laughs> but but I'm, so, I'm listening to you. Uh-huh. I'm being an active listener. But this is my point. Gaming is obviously a huge area of emphasis. <laughs> It is. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible person. It's very addicting. And like, there's a huge possibility, according to Mark Zuckerberg, of the metaverse, you know, like that's really where 
the company formerly known as Facebook is trying to take their direction. They want us to pretty much live on the internet. Yes. And a lot of other companies, it should be known that the metaverse is not just having to do with the company meta Facebook and its portfolio. Like Correct. If, if this pans out, there will be like multiple metaverses, like each tech company or will kind of create its own big metaverse and to kind of get consumers to hang out in. Um, so this is basically Microsoft's bet on their own metaverse. So as I said, Microsoft does have Xbox and it's, it's still a big video game console, but gaming is a relatively small part of their portfolio offering. Yeah. Um, they also have something called Game Pass, which is basically a subscription service where if you subscribe to it, you get access to all of the Microsoft exclusive games. Um, which is a, a decent list. Like they own Minesweeper and a couple of other things, but Ooh, um, Minesweeper. I know who, but Activision Blizzard has all of the really sexy video games. Very. Um, so they, they kind of want to expand this. So this is definitely a strategic acquisition for them. It makes a lot of sense for them to, you know, make an offer on a company like this, if they want to get more into gaming. Um, and they don't really have a lot going on in the consumer tech space. As I said, they have a lot of business technology, but it's a little bit less of a consumer facing platform and they kind of want to get into this area more. Um, and if you think about it, like Alyssa is building a bridge in animal crossing. She has a little avatar and she's trading her stocks and growing her garden and whatnot. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, if you're, if you're not able to like conceptualize a metaverse, like what that would look like, just think about a video game, think about animal crossing. In its simplest version, that's what a metaverse is. Correct. It's an avatar and you're like running around this area doing tasks and you're like immersed in it for the time being. Like a metaverse. Not anymore, will... I just turned it off. Okay, well, thank you. But Alyssa has exited the metaverse. But that's that's kind of what it'll be. It'll be a little bit more involved, obviously, probably with VR and headsets and the whole kit and caboodle. But for the time being, if you're having trouble conceptualizing what a metaverse might look like, just think about like any video game yes, where you have an avatar that's running around. Yes. So getting into Activision Blizzard a little bit more, like what they will bring to the table with this deal. Um, games within their portfolio include all of the really like violent war video games. So Call violent of Duty. Violent war video game. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not a gamer. I don't know any of this stuff. Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, uh, Overwatch, along with uh, Candy Crush. <laughs> yes mm -hmm. farm heroes and diamond diaries so some of the little like games you have on your phone or your ipad so they've got a pretty good mix of stuff like the the things that the teenage boys play and then the things that you can let your <gasps> seven-year-old play on your ipad how dare you girls can play video games too no they can but every with the exception of anna cameron everybody i know who <laughs> plays call of duty is a dude i know a few girls do you yeah you just got to diversify your friend field. I guess so. You'll have to introduce me. Um, but this acquisition of Activision Blizzard will make Microsoft the biggest video game company in the U.S. And it'll be the third biggest in the world if the deal goes through. So Sony, which is a Japanese company, obviously, and Tencent Games, which is a Chinese video game company. Those are still going to be bigger. But this is this will now be a bigger video game company than Nintendo if it goes through. Nice. So that's exciting. Nintendo has been a big power player for years and years, but it's kind of interesting. Like, even though strategically on a business level, it makes sense to get a really big video game company. Activision was the fifth largest in the world prior to this. So this is basically combining the fifth largest with one of the fifth largest tech companies. Yeah. So massive power player. But I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but Activision has had some really bad PR problems. Have you oh. followed this at all? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. So it's a video game company and they have had really bad issues with their company culture. Mm. My guess is because it's a lot of dudes because just generally speaking, not always as Alyssa said, not always, but generally speaking, the tech industry is heavily male and video games specifically can be more heavily male of a field. And Activision had this toxic quote unquote frat house culture. 
there was a lot of sexual misconduct and sexual harassment going on. Oh, funny. That was really bad. Um, And Activision CEO Bobby Kotick has kind of been muddled in this. There's been a lot of gray area about whether he knew or not and whether he was covering it up or if he didn't know what was going on here. But the Wall Street Journal did reveal that CEO Bobby Kotick, he did have direct involvement in the harassment of women at the company, Mm -hmm. specifically in 2006. He, so he basically had like a private jet, I guess, for the company, which is kind of gross to think about, but plenty of companies do that. In 2006, he sent a voicemail to a female employee at Activision Blizzard, um, basically like threatening to have her killed and threatening to destroy a flight attendant on their private jet because the flight attendant sued the company for sexual harassment because the pilot of this Activision jet like sexually harassed her. So he was not here for any of this. He did not want his company to be associated and involved with all of that but uh nonetheless it is and once again here we have the media being police of yucky corporate behavior my god i really thought you were just going to be like oh uh he was threatening to have her fired which is still a bad thing not i was not expecting killed 2006 voicemail to have a female employee killed and threatening to quote-unquote destroy a private jet flight attendant she sued him for sexual harassment. Yep. That's all from the Wall Street Journal. And over 1,200 employees at Activision Blizzard signed a petition for him to resign. Good. Like, that's pretty bad if 1,200 people sign a petition and be like, get your ass out of here. Want you gone. Yeah. And guess what? He didn't resign. He's still of there. Of course not. Um, of course not. Why would he step down? And what's really kind of concerning is even though Microsoft will be the head company in charge here because they're a lot bigger and they're the ones making the acquisition, the CEO, Bobby Kotick, is still going to be involved here and he may end up on the new Microsoft board because according to a basically rule within Activision's proxy filing, he cannot be fired without cause. And if he is fired without cause, they're going to have to pay him nearly $293 million. I got a cause for you, murderistic threats. Yeah, like you would think that would be enough of a reason. They're not positive. They have like enough evidence for that to be enough. And I guess also because it was in 2006, maybe that's an issue too. Who knows? But I don't know. You, They think they can maybe get him out of there without paying all that. But like if you can cough up $69 billion on a company, you can cough up 240 million to get this crappy person out of there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it sucks that you have to pay that just to get rid of a crappy person. Like they can't fire him just because Microsoft is in charge now because that's considered a head of co- or change in control. And that's not a good enough reason according to this filing. So basically their lawyers did a, did a good job in protecting the CEO who sucks And with the acquisition, the proposed structure is that he will be still the head of the Activision division, but he'll be underneath the gaming CEO. So, yeah, there's, but hopefully like being acquired by a company that does not have cultural problems will be better for Activision Blizzard. Hopefully their female employees will feel a lot better about working there, being under the Microsoft umbrella, if there are still any over there. Um. I don't know. I wouldn't want to work at a frat house, but I kind of already do. That sounds like my worst nightmare. Yeah, I kind of already do in some ways, but it's not nearly that bad. It's just a lot of men. A lot of white men. Can't relate. (laughs) But yeah, that's my first story. This is this is exciting. I think it's a really good acquisition for Microsoft. We'll see if it ends up going through on the regulatory level, but I think um if you're a fan of Microsoft or anything that they've put out, or if you own their stock, you lucky dog, because I think in the long run, this will be really good for them. All right. So my first story today is called Jeopardizing Wind Streaks. Uh-huh. 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 So 
many of you may know, but Amy Schneider is currently on a historic win streak on the TV show Jeopardy and has been the subject of much press and scrutiny recently. Unwarranted in my opinion, but I digress. She has been um, competing since November 17th and has now surpassed James Holtzhauser's 32-week win streak and is officially tied with Matt Amodio's 38-week win streak and has become the 11th highest earning U.S. game show contestant of all time. Wait, is it weeks or days? I thought it weeks. was days. It's weeks. 38 weeks? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. November 17th. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That's, wow. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I can't conceptual. I never think about things in weeks. Like I hate when pregnant women are like, I'm, 25 weeks pregnant I'm like what? yeah like, I'm I never there like, I, I don't I'm think like about can you just now. say months ma'am yeah, yeah I, I don't know but okay 38 weeks 38 weeks she also ranks fourth in total earnings among Jeopardy winners she is the first woman to reach one million dollars in earnings and is the first transgender contestant to make it to the tournament of champions yes that I knew we Jesus. we stand a trans champ she's killing it so obviously a lot of people have had things to say about her um uh the way she identifies and we're not even going to go into that because i i don't i don't i i, I don't not know. worth the airtime it's really not like transphobia is nothing that's worth talking about in me it's it's worth talking about as in order to get more you know, people on board with, you know, these human beings and how they identify as people, you know, but it's not worth talking about just to be like, oh, someone said this transphobic comment, like that's not worth it in my opinion. So the main focus of she's winning, she's literally, does it matter who it is if they're winning, you know, it's still exciting. Correct. Yes. So the main focus I have today is a former winner by the name of Tom Nichols. Um, He is a five-time Jeopardy champion, recent recently told Boston Public Radio that he thinks the solution to these long going win streaks, not just by Schneider, but Holzhauser, Amodio, all of the rest of them, is to limit the streaks, which would involve retooling some of the players' rules. And for those of you who may not know, prior to 2003, Jeopardy contestants were only allowed to win five consecutive games before they were first to, before they were forced to quote unquote retire. And when that role was lifted, a man by the name of Ken Jennings, yeah, ever heard of him? Um, <laughs> the current up, host, <laughs> current host of Jeopardy, um, came up in 2004 and became the highest consecutive winner in Jeopardy history. And like I said, among others, uh, and began to hold the champion spot for weeks on end. And like I said, you've got Ken Jennings, you got James Holtzhauser. I didn't even know about Matt Amodio because. I'll be honest, I haven't been watching Jeopardy as, you know, closely as I used to when Mm -hmm. my homeboy Alex Trebek was hosting, but I still keep up with it. Um, And I knew about this because I recently read Alex Trebek's um, um, autobiography, The Answer Is, which is a great read, highly, um, highly, I can't talk today, I'm sorry, highly recommend it. And he talks about the winner streak thing. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but the reason this gentleman, Tom Nichols, says to lift it is, and quote, after about two or three wins, I think you've got such an advantage. You've been using the buzzer, which is much more important than people realize. You're a lot more comfortable in the studio. You understand the rhythm of the game. Newer people just walk in there and don't really have much of a chance. And that's purely because the returning champions have mastered the mechanics of the game, unquote. And I, I see what he's saying, but it is worth noting that Jeopardy's viewership has soared since Schneider's win streak began. Yeah, I'd have to imagine big time champs returning and returning and returning are really good for ratings because you want to see if they can do it again. Exactly. That's my thing. Like they're like this to me, like it's just like when James Holthauser was going off, like he was 
his win streak started when we were seniors in college. Um, and I was enthralled because I was like, this is insane. This guy is going forever. And it's almost like, you know, with a reality show format, like jeopardy, you don't really get to know anybody other than, you know, the host. Sometimes they refer to the, um, the announcer man. I can't remember his name right now, but he's very important, but you don't really get to get to know these contestants other than like the quick facts segment that they do after the first commercial break. But you're not going to lie. It's usually really lame. Yeah. Cause they just have like stupid little stories. Like I, I was watching one time and they talked about some guy's weight loss. I'm like, why does he really yeah. want to talk about this right now? Yeah, exactly. I remember, Oh God, I can't, there was like one time it was so stupid. It was like, you talk to birds. What? What? Like no, no shade to the bird lovers out there and the ornithologists. But I was just like, that's your fun fact. You talk to birds. Something like that. I may be completely off base, but yeah, you don't really get to know these people. And in my opinion, I think it's a great idea to have these like win streaks continue. So you get to know this person, like Annabelle said, you get to root for them. You want to see if they can keep doing it. And yeah, I just, that's pretty much all I have in my facts segment. So I just wanted to leave it open to how do you feel about Jeopardy win streaks? Um, I'm pro win streak for sure. I think it's exciting. And just like, the, he makes Tom Nichols makes a good point about like understanding the mechanics better and just getting more comfortable with it and maybe the returning champions like go for it a little bit more and more often than not they end up being right and James Holthauser's whole strategy was like I, I'm pretty sure if I don't think he was a professional poker player but like he knew his way around gambling so he I pretty much right he almost always made everything a true daily double. And that was part of why he earned so much money was because he was like doubling his winnings every time he got that question. Right. Which I think strategically is what you're supposed to do anyway. Um, But I just, the understanding the mechanics of the game and being comfortable with that, that does not necessarily mean that you are going to know all of the actual trivia and information forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the show has been on since the 80s and there's obviously like still more content they can pull to ask questions. I don't know, like somebody's not going to go forever. So I think it's, I mean, just like game shows in general, I feel like are a dying market. So this is a really way, good way for them to capitalize on it. Um, and maybe it's not fair, quote unquote, to other contestants, but like all's fair in love in game shows. Absolutely. Also, I'm an idiot. Um, Annabelle was right to have her suspicions about 38 weeks, 38 games, 38 games. Yes. Actually, she has surpassed Madame Odio at this point in our recording. She is now on a 39 game win streak. Mm -hmm. I apologize. I'm an idiot. No, it's okay. I was like looking at the calendar and you said November 17th. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. (laughs) Even when I was saying it, I was like, right, right. They they record Monday through Friday, right? Mm -hmm. Every week, pretty much. Maybe they had like a break for Christmas and they had that professor's tournament I think if they still if they still do it in the format that uh they did when Trebek was host they record like five episodes a day oh do they okay yeah. but they air them every yeah day, sporadically yeah. yeah so 30 I mean that's still impressive 39 games mm-hmm. doesn't Absolutely. take away from her record not at all not at all but yeah, so I just wanted to talk about this. Obviously, we love Jeopardy here on this podcast, and I completely agree with Annabelle. Like, the game show is a dying format. You don't really see much of it anymore, even in like, in my opinion, reality competition shows are not as popular as just like reality shows, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians or whatever's going on with that TikTok house. Um So I really think it's important to keep these winning streaks alive, not just because of viewership, but like we said, like being able to connect with people that we otherwise may not know anything about, like, especially Schneider, you know, coming out and supporting, like not supporting, being a member of the trans community and showing that there's not just one way of being trans. I think that's a really important um, aspect of this. Like I said, I didn't want to focus just on her trans identity, but it is worth noting because it's a historic moment in television and I fully support a win streak. Sorry, Tom Nichols. 
And it is representation in the media too. Like even if Jeopardy is not the same thing as like Hollywood, it's still notable. Um, And I don't know. I I just think like a lot of kids grow up wanting to go on Jeopardy and they like, they watch these legends and they're like, I want to be like that. And I'm sure Amy Schneider grew up wanting to, or not grew up because she's not exactly like 20 years old, but she probably was like, I, I think I could make a run at it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm probably, I don't know if I'm Ken Jennings level, but like, let me see if I can get there. And like, those types of icons within the show inspire other people to apply. Mm-hmm. So, and spoiler and go- alert, she's past Ken Jennings level. Oh, really? Yeah, she passed him. In terms well, of- in, in terms of game streaks, but not contestant winning. Because he's been on some other, yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's still the highest earner yeah. of all time because he won Tournament of Champions two years ago. But she's on her way. Um, yeah, no, that's absolutely right. But I think the legends basically <laughs> inspire future legends is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. I'm just being annoying. <laughs> all right, that's my segment. All right, I love it. 39 games. 39 games! One person! <laughs> One survivor! survivor. All right, so my second story is called I'm Just a Big Tech Bill. Hey. Yes, I'm only a bill. So, as we alluded to in my first story, there is a major bipartisan bill going through the Senate soon that is set to prohibit the biggest tech companies in America from engaging in discriminatory behavior. Discriminatory in the sense of, like, discriminating against other tech platforms i'm not talking right. about like racism or anything like that anti-semitism anti-semitism anything like that which is obviously bad but that's not what this bill is about yes. united against hate that's right so this will prohibit the biggest tech companies from engaging in discriminatory behavior so this would include apple google meta formerly known as facebook amazon and microsoft so the requirements for this bill, basically, in terms of like who is affected, the market cap for the stock must be higher than 550 billion, which all of these are, and 50 million monthly active users. So that's a really like elite group. That's really the only people who they're concerned about. They don't care about Twitter. They don't care about Discord, any of that. They really just want to get after the big dogs. Because that's where they feel like the most damage is being done. Um, and it's pretty rare in these in this day and age for there to be a bipartisan bill because nothing is bipartisan anymore. Nope. But this bill is led by Democrat Amy Schumer of Minnesota and Republican Chuck Grassley of Iowa. They're kind of co-sponsoring it. Amy Schumer? Oh my God, Klobuchar. No, it's okay. No, I was like, I didn't realize she started a political career. I wrote my notes really late last night and the la- the next guy's name is Chuck and I was probably thinking about Chuck Schumer. There you go. That That's what it was. See, <laughs> now I feel better about messing up the weak win streak because now we're in it together. I'm an idiot. I don't know why. No, I typed I'm an idiot. I'm the one that thought like November 17th to now was 32 or 38 weeks. It's Amy Klobuchar, guys. It's the Minnesota senator, former, former uh, presidential candidate. Presidential candidate. White woman with the bouncy brown hair. White <laughs> That's what she looks like. No, I just, I love the way you said it. It just tickled my fancy. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar and Chuck Grassley of Iowa. They're co-sponsoring the bill. So this is from the Senate Judiciary Committee, which Amy Klobuchar is the head of, and Chuck Grassley is a, I think he's like a senior um member or a ranking member like he has a little bit more clout than some of the other people on the committee but I mean Congress as we've talked about they don't like big tech and they've talked about it and they've talked about it and they've talked about it and they've had all these stupid congressional hearings with all these big social media companies where they just yell at them about all the harm that they're doing but they have yet to actually pass any legislation of course So yeah, sign of the times, right? But this bill has gotten past the Senate Judiciary Committee with a vote of 16 to six. So that's really bipartisan because this is a 22 person committee. 
and it's 11 Democrats and 11 Republicans. So all 11 Democrats passed it along with five Republicans. So pretty good vote here. Doesn't necessarily mean it will fare the exact same in the Senate, but it bodes a little bit well that they were able to kind of get some Republicans on their side to pass this. So it will go into the Senate next where they will eventually vote on it. Um, this was just sort of the first step. So the legislation, the whole title of it is called the American Innovation Choice and Online Act. Mouthful. Yeah, definitely a mouthful. Not a great bill name in my opinion. But the focus of the bill is to ban promotion of a tech, of a tech company's own product or results on its platform. So okay, that's a lot of words to say that it's basically regulating search results. So if you get on Google and you Google how to tie your shoe, the first thing probably that's going to pop up is a YouTube video. Correct. And it shouldn't necessarily be an issue until you think about the fact that Google owns YouTube. Yeah. So, and Google runs the search algorithm for the search engine. Mm-hmm. That's how they make their money. And so if they are putting YouTube at the top of the bit, it's a closed loop, right? Like they're getting more money from YouTube in addition to what they've made from Google. And it's really important because almost everybody, when they search anything, like on any website, they're going to click on the first one or two results. Like how often do you scroll through multiple pages on Google? Never. Right. So it's, it's basically just trying to give other competitors a little bit of a boost because if they're going to put their own content up first, it's going to be clicked on kind of the same thing on Amazon. Like there are obviously a lot of third-party sellers that put their stuff on Amazon that consumers can purchase, but Amazon also has its own products. And if you search for like, I don't know, phone chargers or something on Amazon, the Amazon phone charger is probably going to pop up first. And then I'll have a little icon that says Amazon's choice. And like, Mm. shocker, it's an Amazon product. So this bill would basically like ban all of that. And you can't put other companies at a disadvantage just so that you can dominate. Um, So they're trying to avoid consumers getting steered, whether they know it or not, toward the same products, or excuse me, the same platforms own like products or content. Um, Now it can promote its own content or products if it's the highest rated, most popular, like if you sort from cheapest to most expensive, if it does happen to be the least expensive, yeah, that can go up first, that's fine. But it has to follow the data. You can't just promote your own stuff for the sake of promoting it. Never argue with the data. That's right. Now, you know what that's a reference from? Uh-uh. It's from Jimmy Neutron. Oh, I should have known that. <laughs> I have actually seen that show. Never argue with the data. I don't know why that stuck with me. Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, obviously, tech CEOs are not a fan of this. Uh, Tim Cook from Apple and Sundar Pichai of Google, they have personally called a bunch of senators to try to lobby the Judiciary Committee to vote no on, on the bill which shocker because it's going to cause negative impacts to their company. They argue that this bill would put consumer security at risk because it has to allow third-party apps, app stores, like additional developers, stuff like that. You have to let them into the picture. And this, I think we talked a while about, there was a lawsuit against Apple with um, the creator of uh, Fortnite, Mm, yes about how like apple kind of has a quote-unquote walled garden where it's once you're in it's very hard to get out because they've created like this whole ecosystem of products and services and it's very hard to like get in because when you're purchasing something on the app store you have to use the apple payment software etc it's a secret garden yeah it's secret (laughs) which tim cook is the head gardener of oh my gosh growing all these apples um but it kind of threatens that whole concept. So that's especially why Apple's like, we can't allow this. But other tech companies like Spotify, Sonos, Yelp, DuckDuckGo, Proton, and Match Group have all spoken up in favor of the bill. So yeah, that's pretty much it for the American Innovation Choice and Online Act. Um, I don't know at the end of the day if it will 
make a difference to the company's bottom lines because they've already been able to promote it, their own stuff for so long that even if you are adhering to the data of what's the most popular or whatever, Mm -hmm. it probably is the most popular because they already have had all this time, right? So it's kind of the same thing of like having the advantage of being the incumbent. That's how I look at it. So even if the bill does get passed through the Senate and then through the House, will it be a huge hit on tech stocks? I don't know, but I don't necessarily think it's doomsday for them. But Tim Cook and uh, Sundar Pichai seem to think that it will be, and that's why they're lobbying. So we will keep you posted on this, see what happens with it. But for now, it'll go to the Senate, where fate is uh, uncertain as always. Love that. Love uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Love the world we live in. It's wonderful. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. All right. So my next story is called Hefner's Hideaway. Good and bad. So there is a new A&E docuseries coming out. I believe it aired its first episode last night. So it's like in the process of coming out right now. And it's called Secrets of Playboy. Mm -hmm. detailing Hugh Hefner's complicated and controversial legacy. Now, for those of you who may not know, because Playboy does not print anymore, but it still exists as a company, um, Hugh Hefner launched Playboy magazine in 1953, and it all but jump-started the sexual revolution, heralding a new era of sexual freedom and expression. We love that. Mm -hmm. Annabelle, do you know who was on the first cover of Playboy magazine? What was the year again? 1953. Oh, that wasn't Marilyn Monroe, was it? It was. Really? Oh, that was a total guess. <laughs> yeah, it was. I like, fun fact about Alyssa. Um, she used to watch E! Network a lot as a child. And whenever her parents weren't like monitoring her watching habits, she would sneak off and watch The Girls Next Door. I don't know why I was fascinated with The Girls Next Door. Also, once again, a sign that I was definitely queer. But (laughs) they had like a whole episode about like the history of Playboy. It was one of their anniversaries. And I, for some reason, remember them talking about Marilyn Monroe. So some of the magazine and Hefner's own ethos has soured as times have uh, decidedly changed. Like I said, Playboy magazine is no longer printing, still a company, just not the same as it used to be. Um, the Playboy clubs no longer exist like they did in the fifties and sixties with the little models walking around in the bunny suits. Um, they still do that, I believe for like promotional events, but it's not the same. You don't see it as high of a frequency as you used to. Mm -hmm. And according to a press release on secrets of Playboy, it's, it talks about, um, the truth behind the quote unquote glossy, glossy, facade, glossy facade of the magazine. Yeah. You know, glossy facade. That that sounds like another word that has to do with Playboy. Oh yeah, it does. Uh, (laughs) Um, and it talks about like the harsh realities that were actually going on behind the scenes at Playboy. And from what they are explaining, um, these harsh realities allowed for decades of, quote, nefarious conduct, including sexual assault and drug abuse to flourish. And we're, we're going to say sex work because the word they used is out of date and we don't mm-hmm. use that word anymore. Sex work, suicide, and even murder lurked in the shadows, unquote. Oh, dear. That's really bad. So the series will explore how the Playboy machine was like a very powerful force in American pop culture and how it at its worst times, quote, manipulated women in a toxic environment, silencing their voices, pitting them against one another and opening the door to sexual predators, unquote. Mm-hmm. And as you could imagine, you know, people in the inside, you know, may not be really thrilled about this docuseries coming out. Um, Hugh Hefner himself passed away a few years ago at the age of 91. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was like 2016 or 2017. We were in college. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he has a son named Cooper who has already spoken out in defense of his late father ahead of the premiere, um, about this series. And 
he did not explicitly mention the show. He condemned, quote, salacious stories about his father in a tweet um, saying, quote, some may not approve of the life my dad chose, but my father was not a liar. However, unconventional, he was sincere in his approach and lived honestly. He was generous in nature and cared deeply for people. These salacious stories are a case study of regret becoming revenge, unquote. Hmm. All right. And going back to the girls next door, um, for those of you who may not know, there were three women, three playmates that were um, the main focus of that TV show. It was Holly Madison, Bridget Marquois, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. It's French. Um, and Kendra Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. And Holly Madison, all of them acted as Hugh Hefner's, quote, girlfriends at the time. But Holly Madison was very serious about her relationship with Hugh Hefner. Like many times in the show, it would end with them just laying in bed together, not in like a sexual way, just like casually, you know, talking about what happened during the day. And often she would bring up the idea of marriage to him like she was very serious she's like in her mid to late 20s and he's in his 80s like she claims to have like loved him like her love for her love for him was like very serious according to her but in the years following his death she's been very um what's the word um i my words are escaping me today very critical of the relationship that they had and she's um she is in fact i believe a main interview in this docuseries and she talks about the abuse that she suffered at the hands of him not just like i don't believe it was physical i think it was mainly emotional and um psychological and even like people outside of their relationship said that for some reason he really was hard on her specifically these are reports like she had time to reflect and she was like wait a minute yeah she was like this wasn't healthy and that's you know that happens a lot because we you know the more we become educated the more we realize that some situations that we're put into in life are not always as healthy as we think they are in the moment right and so um I believe one of her quotes um in that's featured in the trailer is as follows We were all kind of gaslit and expected to think of Hef as this really good guy. And you started to feel like, oh, he's not what they say in the media. He's just a nice man. It was so easy to get isolated from the outside world there. Because from what it sounds like, if you lived in the Playboy Mansion, you had very little control over how you lived your life and what you did outside of the walls. If you were even like allowed to go outside the walls. It's a very interesting history. Um, the show is going to use like obviously like archival footage and like exclusive interviews from like the former inner circle and like the former girlfriends like I mentioned Holly Bridget um one of them also is Sandra Theodore who um is going to talk more about his alleged mistreatment of women um and yeah uh that's pretty much all I have on that just basically not so many words referring to the lifestyle of the playboy mansion as almost a cult so yeah i could see that 100 percent. so i'm thinking about tuning into this because as you know as a child i was watching and being like oh this seems like such a fun time you know like running around in your bathing suit all the time mm-hmm. but hmm, you know i can't say that shocks me just given like what they were portraying to the public that it had you know some issues on the inside and I don't know absolutely yeah any anything where there's like a a weird power dynamic with like a an older man much older man and a yeah. bunch of younger women like it, it's just going to be a little bit funky so hopefully this will give us a little bit more insight and uh maybe prevent kind of relationships and problems like that going forward absolutely and I just checked on um, A&E.com and I believe the first two episodes are free to watch. I think. Um, on the website? Yeah, on the website. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can just click on them. And you're good to go. If I'm not mistaken, Playboy does not do like centerfolds anymore, right? With full. Well, they don't print the magazine anymore. So like, I don't like. 
Okay. Yeah. I don't imagine they're doing it, but they still have like the Playboy of the year. Yeah. And Playboy of the month. Like, um, fun fact. I don't know if you know this, but me and Annabelle are both really like big fans of America's Next Top I mean, Model. I, yep. and you do know what I'm about to say. Yeah. One of the, one of the runner-ups on season seven, uh, was a 2016 Playboy of the year. So Gina Washington. Washington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Washington. Yep. So. That's so funny to me. I know, right? Full circle. Full so. circle. That's right. Yep. All right. Do you have a smile file? Um, my island is coming along nicely. I love it. <laughs> um, but other than that, like I said, I'm still reading a lot. I'm currently reading, um, insert plug here, Katie Couric's memoir, Going There, which is really um, interesting. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. I got a library card in my home in my local town last week and me and Annabelle had oh oh sorry I'm going on forever me Annabelle and our friend Caitlin actually participated in a Q&A live stream with the creator of Arthur Mark Brown um last week because all of us were really big fans of Arthur growing up and we <laughs> still are <laughs> still are still are we're not we're not ashamed of it we're not over it <laughs> and he answered um my question that I asked him which I thought was really cool yeah. so it was really cool. He's like the nicest looking, not, not nicest looking in the sense that like he just has like a very smiley, so like, wholesome, y'all. wholesome looking face. Like he's, he just speaks very kindly. He's like the perfect man to write children's books. And he's on the same level as Fred Rogers, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think he was inspired by Fred Rogers oh, so yeah. much. Like he was a huge mentor for him. So yeah, it was very cool to hear about his experience with Mr. Rogers and Sorry, did I steal your smile file? <laughs> no, that wasn't what I was going to say, but that's definitely a good one. It did make me smile, but that was on Friday. So um, I guess mine would be that. I don't know. I You're have live. You're breathing. Yeah, um, I get to play tennis tonight. So there you go. That's something. That. Yes, that's I got to play awesome. yesterday, too. But we love yeah. it. So. All right. You have anything else for us this week, Alyssa? No, I don't. But I don't know if we mentioned this before, but now you can rate us on Spotify, which is really cool. We would really appreciate it. And you can also catch us on um, Instagram at woeismediapod, where we post pictures from our episode to help guide you along in this journey that we call a podcast. So. That's right. And if you like us, please uh, recommend us to some of your friends. We would love to grow our Wohos network a little yes, bit more. The Wohos. The Wohos. name. Get used to it. <laughs> we love you, but thank you very much for listening. We will be back. If not next week, week after next. We've had some ups and downs with content availability and, and scheduling and whatnot, but we would like to hopefully get more consistent. We're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. Work in progress. But thank you for being patient and thank you for listening. We will talk to you guys soon. Bye.